And man, I tell you, the uh, the global aspect of drones is really kicking in these days, isn't it? It is, and uh, you know, I think we'll, we should probably. I mean, yeah, we're we're going to talk about the uh, Beyond Visual Line of Sight arc final report, but I also want to talk about um, some of the the geopolitical happenings and and how it relates to technology and drones, and uh, you know, so warning. You have an inversion to reality. You probably want to tune out right now because um, I think you're going to get uh, the perspective of two 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 people who uh, lived through the Cold War. And you, uh, Gene, you're you're a, a Air Force veteran, and you were we were smack dab in the middle of the Cold War. Were you not? As a matter of fact, that uh, that is the case, and um, you know. Being a military guy, I'm sure that most people can kind of figure out which way I lean on this situation, but uh, it's getting to the point where it's it's untenable. And I'm quite frankly, I'm starting to get a little stressed over our inaction and the things that we're doing to repeat history. But, uh, you know, hey, yeah, I, I guess you just kind of suck it up and get over it, right? Um, no, I, you know, I, I, I uh, this is, okay, so this is what I'm seeing, and I'm, I'm seeing coming out of the, uh, administration, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to dislike people, um, that's not really my bag, but, uh, what I'm seeing is a political administration that is being run like university faculty, you know? <laughs> Try not to hurt people's feelings. We're, we're being snarky and we think we're funny. You know, um, it, it's it, when people are catching artillery and missiles and bombs, there's no, it, it's, that's not how it works, man. You know, I guess maybe, you know, if you're removed and that's not your family or anyone you know, then you can <laughs> yuck it up. But when the bombs are falling, it's time to get serious, in my estimation. You know, I don't want to speak for, you know, everyone or whatever, but that's what I see. I, I see, you know, it's like uh, we're more concerned about, um, you know, not looking cool or, you know, are we going to get sued for hurting somebody's feelings? That, that's a totally different kettle of fish than the bombs and missiles falling out of the sky. Agree, disagree. Yeah, you know, I do. And, you know, the uh, the old saying about six degrees from Kevin Bacon and all that, the, the thing is, is, and, and I don't mean to be funny about that. I don't, because uh, I do know people over there. I'm I'm like one or two degrees away, and uh, when you have communications that are like real time and direct, and you know they're saying we see battleships in the bay, and uh, they're firing. 
that's 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 a little up close and personal and kind of gives a, an old military guy like me kind of the heebie-jeebies and, you know, why aren't you firing back kind of a situation. Of course they are. They're doing the best they can. But, you know, it, it brings it home, and it brings it really, really close to home. And, uh, well, what, you know, it's just uh, kind of some of my old uh, veteran buddies have said, you know, we may not be able to run around much, but, you know, you could put us in a hide somewhere, and, you know, we might be able to do a little work. But, uh, you know, that's just me and some of my old veteran buddies. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, we've seen the propaganda come out of there where they're telling people to head down to the police station and pick up an AK and, uh, you know, a few mags and, uh, you know, head out to the front. Um, although I've seen other pictures of people with, the, you know, wood, wooden cutouts of guns training. Um, yeah kind of bizarre uh you know the the use of tiktok stars uh i it, it just i'm like i said you know it's like what would you like the student body president and you're trying to win over the kids at the student union or in the quad i i, I it just it, it blows me away and especially since we're we're dealing with a country that has uh you know a stockpile of, of nuclear weapons and people are yucking it up i i just don't get it but you know, so there, some of us have been, uh, you know, expressing, uh, you know, some trepidations and another one with, with some of the uh, some of the, let's say, rulemaking or ideas or whatever that have been pushed by uh, the, the PRC or the CCP, which, again, I'm not anti-Chinese. I just don't. I, I grew up in a, you know, supposedly free society and I I totalitarian ideals and um you know let's say veneers whatever you want to call them i don't like it bugs me how about you gene you you uh you down with the the the, the uh communist thing or or not you know it, no no i'm not uh and you know i hate to get on this whole geopolitical thing because i mean i'm pretty passionate about it but uh this is an existential threat. I mean, the the two powers that are kind of in control of that situation are fomenting that. I mean, they they form a, a very or they are very formidable threat to our way of life. Period. You know, the democracy and freedom and everything that you know we we ascribe to can be seriously threatened at this point. And if you can't see that coming, you've got blinders on. Well, I, again, I, I think uh, it kind of goes back to the way that it's being handled and the propaganda. It's, it's like the student union, you know, or the uh, school administration. Um, I mean, I know that you're you're working uh, in higher learning. I, I spent about five, almost six years working in higher learning, and it just, you know, the logic just, uh, well, it defied logic just uh, it blew me away you know uh, how screwed up things were but things were done a certain way not to hurt anyone's feelings or you know make anyone feel bad or whatever which is fine you know you don't want to hurt people's feelings or whatever but uh, you know that, that we, we even go into that. that's a whole nother uh, you know they're, they're on the ropes higher learning and there's a reason for that too but um here, you know, we were starting to see, I remember I'm, Gary uh, brought this up first on one of the hangouts. He was talking about, you know, 
he also he, he was in the uh, Royal Air Force. And, uh, you know, you, as a military guy, you probably remember this, too. You know, don't turn on the radar. Don't turn on the radio. Don't turn, you know, if you turn any of those on, you may catch a shiny new missile. You know, you remember that? that, that advice. I do. I remember it well. <laughs> Smoke if you got them. Um, you know, and again, I, I don't want to make light of it, but, you know, that's, uh, so there's a video, and uh, if you want to check it out, it's on the SUAS News. Gary posted that. There's a guy using a... Uh, a DJI drone, and, uh, you know, um, I guess, you know, they're watching with Aeroscope. There are, and, and this missile comes in and almost takes him out. I mean, it's closer than I'd be comfortable with. He did survive. Um, but, you know, both sides are using Aeroscope. There's, there's um, you know, scuttlebutt going back and forth that some of this stuff may be being throttled or software updates are limiting capabilities. Um, there are other updates for software. There's things going on, and we can't confirm them all, of course, because we're not there. But these are reports, whatever else. We're seeing uh, seeing these types of um, incidents, you know, happen. Um, then you have uh, the uh, one of the uh, um, DJ I do turn off. Uh, the DJI products and DJI came back and said, you know, DJI products are designed for civilian use and do not meet military specifications. The visibility given by Aeroscope and future remote ID requirements is one reason why using them for military missions is inappropriate. The DJI Aeroscope right. all recent DJI drones broadcast information about a drone and flight to Aeroscope receivers. This functionality cannot be turned off. DJI has no not change the functionality of our aeroscope system in any way in Ukraine. And many Ukrainian aeroscope units still function. function. DJI sales and service in Ukraine have been consistent and unchanged. Please understand that DJI cannot obtain user information and flight data unless the user actively submits, submits it to us. We do not have the ability to identify and verify a user's location. Therefore, we do not hold the data you have requested. Uh, you know, it goes on. Oh my God! Okay, so and then I guess I should read it all. Um, if the Ukrainian government formally requests DJI set up geofencing throughout Ukraine, we will arrange it according to our policy. Apply to all DJI drones in Ukraine, no matter who is flying them. But it may not stop all fights. Please be aware that geofencing is not foolproof. And if the user does not connect to the internet to update geofence data, the new geofence will not take effect. The drone. We remain available to discuss these issues at your convenience. So, you know, uh, what it was that? But I guess the response is, is, hey, you know, too bad, so sad. I, I don't know. You know, you would put something like that. that maybe they would talk about the the geofencing. I, I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Gene? Well, you know, we, that, that's a nice, sterile little uh, canned statement from them, and, you know, bless them. Uh, I guess they're trying to stay as neutral as possible, but they've made their position known already, so uh, it's a little disingenuous, if you know what I mean. 
Well, it reminds me of, and I posted this morning, uh, you know, from the 2017 Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo, Kevin Finsteer's uh, presentation. And I think you were there and you remember that he did the Lord of War thing with drone flaws. And, you know, DJI was denying up and down that people were using their uh, drones as weapons yeah. and they had no control and they didn't know anything and nobody was affiliated, which just wasn't true. He found a dealer in... Uh, you know, the Middle East somewhere. I don't, and I don't want to malign one country because I don't remember exactly, but it was, you know, someone in the Middle East there. And the guy was selling DJI drones, replacement parts, shuttlecocks, cocking tubes, all the stuff to make, uh, you know, these improvised bombers. It, it's just not true. And then the other uh, deal with, you know, we're not collecting data. We That's totally been invalidated uh, multiple times. And it's it's not like you're opting in, you're opting out. Um, and then we have all of that, uh, <laughs> no. the DJI fly data, everything else. So it's just, this is the, this is the issue that I have. And it's one of the issues that I have with monopolies, you know, um, when you have a monopoly like that, you have, it's, it's really hard to reel folks back in, uh, to do the right thing. And I think that that's also part of the current. Uh, corporate culture that also resembles the university faculty. You remember that, right? With the, uh, the, uh, the using them very clearly, and uh, you know they they may not have been entirely effective, but it was still uh, important of things to come. And I think they've gotten a little better at uh, making them increasing the lethality of those little bomblets and, uh, you know, not to mention the psychological impact of it, regardless. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, it, so, you know, a lot of people, and I don't, and, you know, oh, geez. Uh, I don't, um, I don't want to deride anyone, but I still, you know, there's these the people are either in hardcore denial or, you know, they just don't want to know because maybe they don't want to know because there are no, um, let's say alternatives or a few alternatives um, to using this uh, technology or whatever. But, you know, when, when um, these were used as weapons of war and you had a situation and I, I maybe you saw the video, I don't know, where they dropped a, you know, one of these shuttlecock rifle grenade bombs onto a turret of a Abrams tank. I believe it was in Iraq and it killed the commander that sent shockwaves through militaries around the world, mainly Western. And, you know, we have those issues and some other issues. Um, and those are of concern to the U.S. government. And a lot of the rules and regulations that are being shoved down the FAA's throat, or let's say wants and needs, uh, are directly attributable to these actions. And people are like, oh, well, you know, we have a couple of bad actors. There, there's no, it, I don't see it as enforceable. I don't see, you know, people are like, there's only reason we're not getting, uh, you know, fatalities from drones is because the FARs are working, which I'm like, go to, uh, all you gotta go to YouTube. And, and if you want to tow that line, you're going to look like a fool in under, you know, two hours because you're going to find videos where people are just going absolutely uh, apeshit um, out there and doing, or, you know, just watch your evening news. And watch them fly drones, uh, you know, totally unsafely. You know, that's all you got to do. 
So, you know, they, they go hand in hand. Agree, disagree. I agree. There's no question. I mean, it, there are examples all over the place, and just the the existence of a regulation isn't going to make better pilots. You know, we've, we've talked about that from back in the RCAPA days. I mean, that, that was one of the things that we wanted to do was introduce common sense training, practical drone training. We did. But at that time, there was, you know, people talk about this culture of safety, and it was an inherent culture of safety. Many people that were into uh, remotely piloted aircraft at the time were pilots who all took a step back because they didn't want to lose their, you know, band ticket, you know. Uh, As did I. You yeah, also, I did the same thing. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you have the same with the hobby shops, the people that were there, you know, a lot of them were aviators themselves or, you know, had been flying for years or, you know, and would give you advice and talk about safety and, you know, things like that. That's just, that's not there. That, that, that's all went away. And that was directly attributable to the FAA, you know, and then also, you know, the military, it just, it galls me, you know, people are writing books, Oh, you know, remote killing and I'm doing, and I'm an expert. And I know everything about, you know, everything, um, you know, that's a bunch of uh, bullshit is what that is because, and I, and I know that you remember, I mean, even at F- SUS News, go back 2010, 2011, we're talking about the Iranian program, talking about, um, you know, some of the people that they were helping to, um, you know, get this technology talking about other smaller countries developing this technology, China developing this technology. And and at the time, you know, I was working for the military and I'm like, Hey man, you know, Hey, I don't want to be a spook. (laughs) I don't fancy myself as James Bond, you know, or, or any of this stuff. But at the time, anyone that was really, you know, let's say hooks in to the drone world, knew that that what was going on around around the world with this technology and uh, i remember being laughed at you know and this was intelligence folks uh, (laughs) you know the iranians are under stiff sanctions and you know anybody now that believes that sanctions are effective uh well you get played like a two dollar uru and uh, you'll watch the the russians roll into ukraine sanctions do not work and uh, as far as I'm concerned, what, what do you say? You know, am I, am I well, Debbie Downer on that? Or? No, 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 no. I mean, you got to look at it. Putin has been hardening his country for this very thing. It's, uh, the sanctions uh, haven't done much to him because he's prepared for it for the last 10 years. He knew that that was what was going to happen. Now, granted, it's going to be interesting to see how it affects the global economy when they default on their their loan. I think yesterday uh, the ruble was 107 rubles to $1. And, uh, you know, if they get declared insolvent by the World Bank or that sort of thing and they call in their loans, they're probably just going to laugh at them. Well, you know, it's it's like, uh, you know, that old saying about trying to uh, get blood out of a turnip. You know, That's it. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. And this is this is the thing. So, you know, you can you can use certain strategies. And again, we're, you know, resting on the laurels, I believe, of the Cold War, 50s, 60s, 70s. 
But, you know, like you said, I mean, these people have been under sanctions for, you know, I mean, the Iranians have basically been on the, uh, you know, uh, outside of the playground uh, since the uh, 70s, since Jimmy Carter was here. And, well, you know, um, yeah, and, and, you know, so, you know, uh, when you're talking about a situation like that, you're just going to operate outside and they're obviously still operating and they're obviously still getting technology and they're obviously still developing, you know, it's like the, the idea that the sanctions are going to slow them down on the nukes. And, uh, you know, so eventually they're going to get the nukes here and then you, you can, you know, you know, I don't think you have to be uh, Henry Kissinger to figure out what's going to happen to the uh, geopolitical balance of the Middle East and the Western world and the Eastern world when that happens, you know? Yeah. Um, you don't need the, the PhD in, in uh, you know, <laughs> political science to figure that one out. So um, I, I, that one kind of galls me. I, I mean, you know, the, the, the hubris, the, the you know, <laughs> you know, or even at the time when the Chinese were, you know, I mean, I called the aircraft carrier. There, it was a catapult or ski jump. I'm like, it's going to be ski jump. How do you know? Oh, well, because there's a, the, uh, you know, Chinese AVIC, whatever, is hosting a contest for a drone to live on or take off and land on a ski jump configuration aircraft carrier. Oh, that'll never happen. They'll never be able to do that. And even though the Chinese had a space program. So, you know, it just, uh, I, I've been shocked. And I also was shocked in 2013, you know, uh, I was, you know, it's another thing that I'm not just the Best Buy flyer. And I worked for the Army Space and Missile Defense Command Battle Lab, and I was uh, the future warfare guy. And they're like, oh, we don't need that hypersonic missile. We're going to cancel that. It's like, how, you know, what? <laughs> Who? <laughs> you, know, uh, ah, you know, they'll never be able to make that work. So that's, that's just a false, false flag, false threat. Don't sweat it. Okay. You know, whatever. Obama asked for his iPad back and, you know, the party was over. Whatever. I don't really uh, – above my pay grade, but, you know, just none of this stuff really makes any uh, sense to me. And I think that the, the chickens are coming home to roost on that. And so, you know, and I, I don't want to probably move off of that because it's uh, – I don't know how much more we can uh, beat that dead horse. But do you have any comments, closing comments on that subject? Well, no, you're right, uh, and I think everybody is concerned about that situation over there, and I think everybody knows – well, everybody is, is hoping that it doesn't escalate, but I think the folks of us that have been and seen and, and you know, gosh, uh, it's, it's history repeating itself, unfortunately. So with that, I'll just say, enough said. Well, you know, um, the, what is that? Hope in one hand and uh, poop in the other. Now, 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 now. Well, you know, I just I don't <laughs> see, uh, you, you know, the time to really jump up like a big dog was before the invasion. Um, after they committed, uh, very going to be very difficult to dislodge. So, whatever. Um, I would go over there and tackle some more and yak it up and, you know, make it look like we're fools and, you know, see what happens. I don't know. But that kind of leads into the next, uh, you know, segment here, which is the U, the uh, UAS Beyond Visual Line of Sight Art Funnel 
final report. And uh, did you get a chance to uh, thoroughly read the 251 or two pages that uh, that is the ARC 51? I did. Did you get a chance? Not thoroughly. I did. You know, come on. It's uh, 250 pages of stuff that we've heard before in the past. But, uh, you know, I did look it over. I did look at some of the high points on there. And, you know, of course, we hear the same old screed about data, 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 and this, that, and the other thing. I still believe that we can do this, and it has been done in the past. And, uh, you know, it's... Um, Again, it's kind of kicked the can down the road one more time. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Um, you know, and uh, Rob Thompson posted a picture that he dug out of the family archives on LinkedIn, on, uh, you know, a, a, on the UTM thing. And you know, so, oh, you know, we're made, you know, they did, they did new. It was they had a meeting at NASA, and so I didn't go. I was, I was doing something productive. Um, but he posted this picture. You know, they're talking, oh, we're doing this, and uh, yeah. And then Rob Thompson posted this picture out of the grandpa's files. You know, General Electric was working on UTM in 1971. Okay, <laughs> or we're talking, you know, 50 years ago, and we don't have UTM. So everything that we're seeing in here uh, is uh, it's it, it's kind of it's not even a repackage; it's a regurgitate. And this is one of the uh, frustrations that I have with this process. And I know that you've witnessed the same thing, where you've seen uh, people come and go in this industry, right? I mean, remember all the people, oh, the smart people that were here and that are gone. Yep. And then, sure, remember so that, them. What does that and say? They, they keep what does that say through. about us? <laughs> what does that say about us that we're still here? Uh, well, maybe I'm not yeah. playing with a full deck. Definition I of insanity and all that. Well, you know, and that's going to be making the point. And so, you know, since I've been involved with this, I'm hearing the same thing. You know, uh, risk-based, safety of the NAS, um, standards, data, you know, research, uh, okay, you know, I, I'll play along. I hate, you know, um, in the beginning, you know, when uh, 20 years ago when they started talking this stuff, there, there was, you, you have to remember, there were procedures in place to fly beyond visual line of sight in class Bravo airspace. And I'm talking, I'm not talking, you know, quadcopters, I'm talking aircraft with 14 foot wingspans, uh, scan eagles. Aerovironment product. It, everybody was, you know, all of these different companies were flying around and doing stuff. And uh, aircraft were not falling out of the sky. People, oh, well, there was nobody doing it. Bull crap. There were, uh, you know, you were on uh, RC groups. And that's, that's where we met. And you, you remember that platform, right? Oh, God, yeah. There, there was a lot of folks out there flying BB Lost. Hundreds and, of thousands. Uh, yeah, a bunch of them. And, and uh, quite frankly, it, uh, it it scared me a couple of times just to be associated with them because I just knew something, you know, the government was going to land on them with both feet. Yeah, um, although there was a lot of denial then, too, as you remember. I mean, uh, people, I, I remember being called a troll, and I was wearing a tinfoil hat and conspiracy theory, and the FAA would never regulate uh, drones. 
would <laughs> never regulate RC aircraft. Um, it's just crazy. They just got bigger things to do. And this was like even right after 9-11. You would think they'd have chubby or fish to fry, but no. Um, and really how it all came about was model rocketry, you know, which I kind of got into model rocketry with my kid. And they started clamping down on that. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? You're clamping down on, uh, you know, paper towel rolled cardboard rockets? Uh, you know, don't you have other things to do? Uh, you know, like check out flight schools where people don't want to land the plane and stuff. But, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of where it came about. But we've been hearing the same reoccurring um, theme. And really, when you think about it, it's even gone back before when we became involved. It goes back almost 30 years uh, of, of trying to bring the RC hobbyists to heel. Kept hearing, oh, well, they've just gotten more dangerous and the capabilities have gotten better. You know, um, and, and I just bring up the uh, first transatlantic flight that Tad, McGeer, Tad and Andy Bonfloto did in 1998. Yeah. And then uh, Maynard Hill did in the early 2000s. It's like, you know, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. That That's pretty capable to me. You know, people could build something in the garage and, and it would do that. So um, that's, that's all propaganda and misnomer as far as I'm concerned. But this, you know, is reoccurring. And the FAA has got to keep that up and shut anybody out that doesn't want to go along with the program. And again, you know, I keep talking to these people, and there are people out there lurking um, that are working for big companies and are doing things. And they, you know, they call me up and they, oh, we appreciate what you do for the industry, blah blah blah. Yeah, you know, Chuckles the clown's a slow learner because all it's really done is cost me money because I'm not going along with the program. And I, and I try and remind people that that there are a lot of uh, advocates and experts going along with the program because you know writing waivers. Um, and people that aren't attorneys and aren't really consultants, don't know what they're talking about, charge a lot of money to help you get a waiver, which is basically a, a, an F 107 waiver, in my estimation, is basically an FAA favor. You got 86, uh, you know, beyond visual line of sight waivers, and, and you're even going to tell me that, that that's enough, uh, those are enough waivers to get any, uh, you know, discernible data? I mean, it, you know, I mean, what, what do you think? Does that even make any sense? We have, how many people are in this country? Four hundred million or something that we do. Well, you would think that you would think that uh, the number of drone companies that are out there, the baby steps sort of waivers that uh, that should have been gotten out and gone out. Uh, you know, and you, and you got to look at point at point to uh, Chula Vista right there in your state. Um, mm. I think that that program has turned out to be a very successful program. They're definitely flying BB loss. And, um, you know, why can't we replicate that? Um, or why can't we even replicate the, um, you know, the Pathfinder thing that Precision Hawk did? You know, people don't want to talk about that. They don't, they don't want to talk about that. But, you know, this guy's flew around for over a year with no guidance, no oversight from the FAA, no safety briefings, no logs, no nothing, nothing. Just whatever they wanted to do, they flew around beyond visual line of sight, flyaways, shoot downs, all this stuff is purported. And the FAA shut down 
well, a total of three investigations into that. We got it, no problem. And all that, all that was taken to, uh, to clear all that up is a five or 10 minute phone call with uh, Diana Cooper and the amazing Grogan at the FAA, who's no longer the, the waiver guy. To me, you have two scenarios there, two, two, two things that we can, data points that we can learn from. One, the FAA is way too heavy-handed, and you don't even need this uh, Rube Goldberg machine that they have in place because Precision Hawks show that really um, flying literally by the seat of your pants with, with no safety briefings or whatever or minimal or whatever, you could send people out there who are not aviators, um, and they they could go and fly all over California, or which is supposedly you know oh they got tons of people and tons of air traffic and oh my god it's dangerous, and they can go out there and do all of this with no, with no incidents. So one, uh, you know the FAA is, is too heavy heavy handed, and they didn't really need to do all of that. And that the whole waiver thing is superfluous, you know. I mean, I don't know how many thousands of flights there there were, and you know, we'll never really know because the FISDO people wouldn't leave the office. They they didn't have the resources to leave the office to to drive ten miles to somebody's office and look at the logs, and you know, we didn't really need to. So, it's either safe, you know, and I don't understand why um, we can't emulate that all over the country. Right now, I'll, you know, it was mainly uh, unpopulated areas. So I don't know why we can't emulate that. Or the other data point that we have here is if you have the right, you know, lobbyists, consultants, and enough money behind you, um, it, the whole safety of the NAS thing doesn't matter. Do you think those are oversimplifications of two scenarios? Or, or you know, what, what do you think about that? Well, you know, there, there's some truth. There, there's some truth in all of it. Um, I think it's going to be interesting because I am going to venture into that waiver process. I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, start the process for a BB loss waiver of my own self, and uh, we'll we'll have to discuss that as we start pushing through the process, just to see what sort of shenanigans go on, or whether it's straightforward, and we'll see. I, well, you know. <laughs> Being the the past poster child for some of the drone stuff that's out there, um, it's going to be interesting to see if there are enough people that have retired out of the FAA to even give me a fair chance. Well, you know, good luck with that one. Um, you know, I, I don't uh, – I've seen some of what people are charging. Um, very expensive. The other thing that I'm noticing, there have been some enforcement actions. Uh, people that are getting waivers are writing them. I will say like the, the part 137 stuff where people are doing aerial applications. Uh, there were there were groups all cutting and pasting. Remember that they weren't going to let them, people do the yeah. cutting and pasting on the 333s, and they were, they were so sloppy yeah. they weren't even taking the names of the companies out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, or the people in charge, or or whatever, they just weren't even doing it, you know. And the FAA was rubber stamping them, you know. And uh, they they will tell you too, says just because you get an approval uh, for an exemption or a waiver, doesn't mean that it's totally legal, and we can come back later and you know invalidate it. And there are people, as on the FAA website, you know, the the news site, 
that they were uh, getting fined, you know, $150,000 for not complying with the bars. And some of that uh, had to do, I think, with the maintenance. And the Part 137 thing, people were doing the old cut and paste. Well, they forgot to get the uh, an exemption for uh, A&Ps having to do the modifications to the aircraft. And the FAA's rubber stamping, you know, uh, they're going along. There's another thing that there's purported that there's a thousand uh, aerial application drones registered in the United States, and there's, you know, I don't know, forty that, that you know waivers for for people to go do this. So, uh, I, 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 you know, another enforcement issue. I, I don't know. You know, you tell me, um, but. What it goes to show is somebody's not paying attention at the FAA if they're rubber stamping this. And they do pay attention after a while. Sometimes I have to bring it to their attention, like the Precision Hawk waiver. And it took a year of me bringing it to their attention, emailing the, uh, act, the administrator, the acting administrator, the guy over at aircraft certification, um, uh, the guy Dan Elwell that moved over to Joby and stuff, you know, and everybody denied that. Oh, those aren't those aren't my email addresses. Oh, they're not because that's what you got the employee directory. You know, I mean, are you just trying to throw folks off the trail? You know, or you're a manager yeah. and you don't, you know, you don't expect anyone in the office to ever email you? Okay, hey, whatever. Or you know, the phone you leave messages for people and they won't call you back. Uh, you know, because you're a uh, Member of the press, although you know, it also depends on who you ask. But anyway, uh, you know, those those, uh, th- those are some uh, inconsistencies that I uh, think need to be worked out. So, you know, back to the uh, arc here. Now, you remember uh, the work on the arc, and I forget how many people were on the arc, uh, the small UAS arc, but there were a lot of people on the arc, and there was. I would say that the drone folks were not really represented. And even the RC hobbyist was not really represented. Supposedly, the AMA was was um, representing the, the the hobbyist and the unaffiliated hobbyist. Which you know, again, flashing back to RC groups, there was hundreds of thousands of members. AMA came out and said there were only probably five thousand people in the United States <laughs> flying RC that weren't AMA members. Which I I just like you you know. You know, uh, and those people, the unaffiliated people, um, had no representation. So those hundreds of thousands of people got, um, but you know, that's neither here nor there. That's just how the the cookie crumbled. So on this beyond visual line of sight arc, um, I think we had here. It says uh, put the peepers back on. I want to say they said I think there was eighty six. Um, participants on the ARC, which seems rather large to me. That's a lot of people. Um, They support a transparent ARC process, which we know is total um, – that's bullshit, because the ARC process, (laughs) when I was on the ARC, they tried to tell people that they basically participating in here. You cannot discuss any of the uh, proceedings with anyone, including even your constituents, which I, you know, that's like, that's yeah. okay. 
Yeah, all right. That sounds good. Could you could you show me where that is in uh, Title Five of the United States Code? And uh, you know, well, we don't know exactly where it is, but it's in there. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to produce that because this is still America. And you know, I remember they tried to balance Fred Marks for talking to his constituency with me, which was the American Farm Bureau. You know, it was totally uh, ridiculous. So yeah, there was 86 voting ARC members. And when you look at the roster, so many of these people do not, they, they don't even know what is involved. And I know there were a few good people on there and there are a few good things in there. Guess what's back? Frangible. Frangible's back. Remember Frangible oh, from the ARC? Oh, I remember doing those studies. Oh yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, oh, okay, well, we had all, you know, um, we, we, we were talking about frangible. We were talking about kinetic energy. And, and, you know, one of the other things that's in here is, you know, they've got up to, you know, 800,000 foot pounds of uh, impact energy. You know, that is a large aircraft. So as this, as, you know, has been, you know, uh, the history of this airspace integration effort is we start off and we talk about the small stuff, which you know, everybody talks about taking a bite of the elephant, right? Which makes sense, right? We've got to take a bite of the elephant. So let's talk about small UAS. Let's talk about something that's one pound, two pounds, three pounds, four pounds. You know, <clears throat> we'll talk about that for about two minutes. And then we move right on to the global hawks and everywhere. So instead of, you know, taking that bite of the elephant, like, the, you know, is uh, – the, the prescribed logic and starting off with something small that has low kinetic energy and, and a visual, you know, smaller envelope, uh, plastic, yada, yada, yada. Uh, yeah, no, we, 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 we can't deal with that. We got to move. We, we, we got to move to the big stuff. Got to get the, the reapers and preds in here, which um, doesn't make any sense to me because, you know, you've gone from something that's doable to a moonshot. Agree, disagree. Oh yeah, complexity, size, and complexity are always going to be coupled. There's no two ways about it. Exactly. So uh, the other thing I didn't like is uh, Aerovironment and uh, Scan Eagle are Institute Boeing is back trying to lead the show, and I and I believe that that was definitely a huge mistake in a commercial uh, arc. Um, you know, uh, Aerovironment was basically running the show, the original arc and the part 107 and people at my ask why things are kind of disjointed, whatever else that was basically run by Boeing and situ and aerovironment, you know, the boxes and bins and all the rest flag. of it. It was, I brought it up, pissed people off. Um, you know, I mean, that's, they said they weren't going to do that. That's exactly what the FAA did. Okay, fine. You know, I'll go along with the joke. Um, Cause you know, I mean, what else am I going to do? But I am going to bring it up, and I'm going to talk about it. And, you know, I, I, it's the funny thing is people, the FAA, well, you're really hard on the FAA. Am I hard on the FAA? Am I the one that's, you know, underhanded? Am I the one trying to run a public, private, or private rulemaking process? No, that's not me. That's somebody else. If you don't like being it being brought up, don't do it. You know, uh, that's all. You know, it's easy. So, you know, we had 86 voting ARC members on February 25th. And here's – I'm going to give you the, uh, the voting tally because I know you're, you're a numbers guy. So 
uh, 44 of the voting members concurred with the recommendations as written, 20 concurred with comments, 10 non-concur, eight of the participants, no ballot submitted, and uh, four abstent, abstentations, abstentions, whatever. Um, and that was the, the voting. Uh, you know, and, and some of the people that have, uh, abstained were, um, you know, National Association of Counties, National Conference of State Legislators, National Governors Association, National League of Cities, you know, um, it, these are the type of people that are in here. You had, uh, I mean, there's some other folks on here. They, they um, probably abstained because, one, they didn't know anything about the subject and didn't have anyone in their organizations that knew anything about the subject and just said, you know what, we're, we'll say we're there, but you know, we really can't good conscious vote on this because we don't know squat. Well, and there are other folks on here, you know, so Brian Wynn was there for AUBSI, and I, and I you know, I, Doug Marshall brought up a great point when he was on, uh, you remember that, when he was saying there's so many efforts that fail. And, you know, back in, I, I want to say it was 2014, uh, or it could even been 2013, the FAA, uh, Jim Williams was still head of the UASIO, and the FAA, him and Peggy Gilligan decided we've got to stand up a beyond visual line of sight action team. And they hauled in all these people from all different walks of life and, uh, you know, the manned aviation guys and all the rest of that. And people were supposed to come up with use cases. So this is another thing that's really chapping my eyes. I believe you wrote an article for that, for, for what uh, – the R Kappa submitted. Didn't you write an article for that? For the Beyond Visual Line of Sight use case? You did. I did. So you were one of the people that contributed. Andy von Flato contributed for Aerosol or uh, Aerobell. And I'm trying to think there was there were a couple other folks that did too. But the upshot on this deal is we had this whole room full of people and most of them were totally unqualified in my estimation. But the FAA tasked AUVSI with, uh, you know, running this effort, standing up a SharePoint site. Uh, we were going to contribute all of this information, and uh, they were going to sift through it and do up some report. Um, one of the interesting side notes in that is people always talk about how you can't talk back to the FAA. You can't create any waves because you're going to be childish or you're going to be labeled unproductive or you're going to be labeled something. And I'm calling bullshit on that because I've seen this happen multiple times with AOPA. And in this instance, um, the, 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 the lady from uh, the motion picture association was a uh, daughter of, of, of one of the ex congressmen. But anyway, um, Alpa, went to her and said, Hey, you know, uh, how, how do you, how do you know your drones are safe? Cause she was contending that her drones were safe. And, uh, she's like, well, what do you mean? You know, we, we fly around and we don't have any problems, you know? And I, and I said, well, you know, let me interject. I think what he's, what he's asking here is this, you know, have you quantified, you know, your statement that, that these are safe? Jumps up. We are not on trial here. I will not listen to this. Gets up, storms out of the room and leaves. And I'm going to ask you, do you think anyone in that room, and there were, you know, people from 
you know, uh, oil and gas and you know, every possible use case under the sun. Um, do you think anyone called her names? Do you think anyone belittled the the, the uh, movie industry? Just just asking what you think. Well, I wasn't there, but uh, chances are I'm going to say no. No. Nobody said anything. And no, there were no laughs. There were no chuckles. Nothing. So the upshot with the Beyond Visual Line of Sight uh, inaction team uh, was that, um, you know, basically, besides, you know, I was invited to, to uh, Beyond that. And, and it was kind of funny is the guy that was working for uh, AVS at the time later went on to Amazon and you could see how successful they've been basically told me that I was a bomb thrower. And if I didn't keep my yapper shit, they would throw me off of the, uh, this committee, which, you know, I went to the uh, administrator on that one. And I go, you got this clown over here calling me a bomb thrower. You know, uh, I, I don't, I don't know exactly what that means, but I like people to figure that out for me because I'm, I'm not, you know, slow learner. I want to know what that means. And I want to know why an association that's not affiliated with the government has the power to uh, disenfranchise or, you know, dismiss me from a group that the FAA is asked me to participate in. So I got an apology from the FAA and um, Mike Toscano had to call me up and apologize for for their uh, childish behavior. Did anyone laugh at the AUBSI? No. No laughing there. Did anyone call them childish? No, you know whatever else. So that's that's just not true. The thing is, if you you know, of course, if you the wheel squeaks a little bit, you're not going to get the goodies. You're not going to be on the on the uh, Aaron boy or Aaron girl list, and you're not going to be able to come in here and write bogus waivers or get special dispensation uh, if you're not willing to carry the water. And I'm not willing to carry the water, and I'm not real willing to carry the water because I'm not. I, you know, nobody's paying me to uh, push product. But um, to, to me, um, that effort was a total disaster. And it was a total disaster because, you know, again, laughing at the AUBSI, they weren't even able to stand up a SharePoint site. Okay, this is the world's largest unmanned technology uh, advocacy group. They're all about technology and they couldn't even stand up a SharePoint site. And as far as I know, RCAPA was the only um, association that contributed documentation to the effort. I mean, and I, I recall some surprising. documentation that you wrote made it all the way over to the uh, European side. Yeah, that was uh, to the chagrin of the FAA because they were like, this guy's a crank and nobody, uh, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, that was another failed effort. You know, you have uh, Jim Williams is back and he's he's working at the Aurora, Aurora Network and, you know, people are trying to work this. Oh, God, yeah, I look at the names and it's just like, uh, it, it's just some of the same Some of the same usual suspects uh, are back. Um, the other thing that, that bugs me with this, there's, there's some of the usual suspects and there's some of the usual drone companies in here that have VC funding that have told me all along they don't care about regulation. If common sense is going to prevail. 
Would you say that common sense has prevailed, Gene, in this uh, effort? <laughs> oh, gosh. Can I plead the fifth, Patrick? <laughs> you could. You can, because I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want anyone to think that, uh, you know, you're too aligned with my thinking. You know, it could be bad for business. But, you know, the other one here, we got ASTM in here. Um, it looks like, I think, I thought Phil Canoe was over there at, well, no, he's the ASTM, but, you know, this is another one that we have here is we're going to work in conjunction with standards. There's 600 and, you know, 50 plus or minus standards. Uh, one's been adopted by uh, CAA down there in Brazil. No one's vetted the standards. Uh, they're talking about doing it in um, Europe. And they're talking about basically putting aside enough, I think, a thousand euros a standard to vet all of these different standards. Um, I don't know how you're going to get SMEs and engineers and, and other folks to come in and validate these standards at a, a thousand euros a pop. Uh, it sounds like a little bit more work than, you know, a day or two's work for oh, one yeah. or two people. Um, and even if they did validate, how are they going to validate them? What's the criteria? Is there going to be... Um, <laughs> Scientific validation, and then that gets me right onto this uh, data and the scientific validation stuff. And I do not want to, um, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater on Oshore, but, uh, you know, it, it reminds me of the MITRE thing, where MITRE's on the payroll, they're a vendor to oh, uh, yeah. FAA, and they basically, and I don't care what anybody says, because I've seen it, you know, and we saw it on the uh, registration task force. With the 250 grams from projectiles from uh, explosions, shrapnel. Exactly. Um, well, you know, we saw all that, and uh, you know, that was told again by people that were on there. They, they, we couldn't uh, disagree or not concur. We would have looked uh, childish and problematic, and people would have made fun of us. We would have never been asked back. They shouldn't have asked you back. You proved that you were an incompoop. And uh, you were doing a disservice to the uh, the community as a whole. So, you know, maybe you should have said something or maybe not saying something. You know, you were nothing but a yes man. Anyway, on the ARC, on the SUAS ARC, which finally seven years later, plus, as Doug reminded us, seven years, four months, right? Um, NASA, there was a group, basket of engineers from the different, you know, Edwards, uh, Langley, Goddard, you know, elsewhere that came up with a uh, both a safety risk matrix and also a uh, study plan for kinetic energy. And it started at the bottom and worked its way up. And it was submitted to the FAA and it was thrown in the garbage can. So, you know, here we are, say, uh, I can't even count that high, 12, 14 years later, whatever, and we still don't have NASA <laughs> doing this. You know, we have Assure doing this, which as far as I'm concerned, Assure is on the payroll. Sorry, everyone at Assure, but, you know, I've talked to other academics at other universities that are not in the mix, and maybe it's sour grapes, but they're telling me that this stuff is not uh, what they would call, you know, repeatable science. I'm just going to leave it there. And, I, you know, I'm not a, a 
I'm not a scientist, but I'm going to leave it there. And I've hold, heard that from multiple people. So why doesn't the FAA use NASA in a capacity that that's what they do, kinetic energy testing? Why aren't they using them? Are they afraid of, of uh, what they're going to get back? Are they afraid that after all of these years that this, this data is going to show that uh, they were out to lunch? You know, it's at least a po- it's plausible, is it not? Uh, yeah, nobody wants to be proven wrong. Uh, that's for sure. And, you know, you're, it's going to take that. I mean, and who are the best scientists? I mean, that, for God's sake, they got rocket scientists, right? They should be able to put together a couple of tests to be able to prove or disprove. Possibly, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking maybe, right? That's right. <laughs> Man on the moon. Carry the two. I don't know. Um, so here's the other one that really uh, gets my my goat. Oh my God, Dad! Notice to Airman, no Tam slipped in there in the uh, in the glossary. I thought that was notice to air mission. Son of a sea cook. I, I don't even know if I can go on the rest of the day. I think I'm gonna have to start <laughs> drinking, even though I don't drink. Because, uh, you know, it's just I, I, I feel like somebody's been disenfranchised. Um, the other thing that really um, gets my goat on this deal is everyone's writing articles. And you've probably seen these. Uh, you may be jaded. You may not even look at them anymore when you see stuff like this. But I, everyone's writing articles of how this is going to enable. This is ushering in. This is, you know, drone delivery. Uh, flying cars it's all it's all happening in the short term are you, do you believe that yeah you're right i i kind of quit reading those <laughs> <laughs> well you're you're like uh it's probably like a mercury thing in fish right so like you're you've reached this uh toxic level of uh you know, bullshit stories. Is that that's kind of what's going on there? I can't digest anymore. Well, see, that's another thing. I've been eating tuna fish all my life, so I, you know, maybe that's what my problem is. <laughs> Why you're still here? That could be a problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is good. It has like a book group. You know, we're figuring it all out. <laughs> Um, I don't believe, uh, you know, if, if history is any indicator, I do not believe that we are going to see anything in a timely fashion come out of this. Because this is the same things that we've been talking about for, well, the time that we've been here, but even 30 years or whatever, you know. I ask yeah. people. Uh, 20 years for sure. The last, yeah, oh, well, even longer, you know, we have the wheel of suffering that we posted before. Um but, you know, the last uh, podcast you were in here with uh, was with Tracy Lamb, and I asked her. I mean, she's this, this woman's got more experience in aviation than you can shake a stick at. And I just asked, what's well clear mean to you? You know, because this is going to be, uh, as this thing, you know, the, the sky is dark with drones and flying cars and all the rest of that stuff. You know, uh, well clear is, you know, part of the uh, the VFR um, vernacular. You know, what, what's well clear mean to you, uh, Gene? Uh, you're not swapping paint. Uh, uh, well, if I can't read their numbers, that's well clear to me. 
Okay, there we got it. We we have a uh, uh, a definition that I can live with. So, um, you know, those those are some of the things that need to be worked out. The other thing is, is and inc- including the uh, flying cars into this effort. You know, I keep telling people, and I do start starting to hear it parroted back from other folks. Uh, you know. I, Integrating all of this into the NAS with drones, we've been trying to do the, the 251 gram thing now with that baseline established for 30 years. And you, you know, you think it's a good idea to you to to throw the flying car thing into the mix, so you're going to get beyond visual line of sight anytime soon. You think that's a good idea? I, I think the only reason they got sucked into it is because of the similarity to the flying cars to um, quadcopters. Quite honestly, I think it's the only reason they got sucked into it. Uh, I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, but I also think, and I've been noticing that we have the, some of the drone snake oil people in the have left their failed companies. That, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars lost, frittered away, and have moved on to the flying car companies. And I've had some people, well, you know, they've learned from their mistakes. Oh, no, they haven't. Just read what they say. You know, uh, there is no way that these people learn. They're out there chilling and flim-flamming and trying to get money. And we've seen there's other reports coming out that uh, all these flying car companies that went public, their stocks have have gone, uh, not taken off, no pun intended. They've kind of fell to earth. And, um, and of course, that was what's going to happen. I mean, even you get people say, oh, you know, well, Joby had an incident. We don't know what happened. There's somebody reported that uh, there was a component failure. And I will have to, my hat is off to Joby Aviation that they are able to keep a lid on this incident. I mean, there's, there's so many people involved uh, that should know something, and, and we haven't heard anything. Um, but, you know, they're still on track. 2023, we're going to get our type certification. Uh, we're going to be able to fly around, yada, yada. Okay, great. Got your type certification, which I, I have to think this incident is going to push that timeline to the right. What do you think on that? Yeah, that, that whole DRE process and going through that that gauntlet, if you will, of getting every one of those parts approved, and, you know, especially since they had a component failure, it's yeah, uh, I'm I'm thinking 23 may be ambitious. Oh, I think it's certainly ambitious, and even when you do have that, um, you're going to uh, then you're still going to need a production certificate, and you're still going to need to build out all of the infrastructure, and you're still going to need UTM. And uh, as I said before, you know, looking at some of this SBIR work. Um, Talk about airways and whatnot that are, you know, 20, I think 2,600 feet and 2,800 feet AGL, which pushes uh, this whole new aviation concept above the uh, 500 feet and into controller space, which my estimation, if you thought it was going to be hard to integrate all this crap in under 400 or under 500 feet, under 500 with your 100-foot buffer, 400, yada, yada, uh, dovetailing and integrating with the existing uh, 
ATC, the Air Traffic Organization, all the rest of that stuff. You want to talk about a tall order. In my mind, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, easy peasy, lemon squeezy? Nah, you know, it's uh, as a participant in the NAS and, you know, both manned and unmanned, you know, I've got to tell you, it, it's a complex issue. It is a very complex issue. You've got people like me who don't even have ADSB in, and now you've got the, uh, the the drones that are putting out at least an ID that shows up. You know, if you've got a cooperative aircraft out there now, you see it on your, your screen. So, you know, I, I think the jury's still out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, another funny thing in here, too, is uh, one of the recommendations, uh, 137.40, employment of former FAA employees. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's a deal in here, and it's, uh, you know, to act as an agent or representative of the certificate holder in any matter before the Federal Aviation Administration, if the individual in the preceding two years served as or was directly responsible for the oversight of a flight standard service aviation safety inspector and had direct responsibility to inspect or oversee the inspection of the operations of certificate holder. I don't believe that that was my effort where I asked for rulemaking for there to be a cooling off period for uh, FAA personnel going to work for these companies. And I think that might already be written in to try and uh, stymie some of the uh, like 737 shenanigans. It's just funny to to, to kind of see that translate through this, you know. Well, so there, there of course there if, is some interesting. If if somebody perceives it as being uh, inappropriate when you have that many people in there, then you think. Well, uh, I do, and I do think that, uh, you know, even in the GOB situation, you got Dan Elwawan over there. You know, Dan left the FAA under dark cloud twice. You know, it's been a revolving door. He's back. I, 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 you know, so how do you, you know, like all of these hardworking and honest folks over at the FAA, you know, did, did Dan get a bad rap because those Africans died, you know, in, uh, with the 737? That poor guy. You know, um, or the last time with the cloud and, uh, you know, Marion Blakely and, you know, and AI double. I, it's just, it, it, it's just, I don't know how people sleep at night. You know, that's me. And then I have people beating me up all the time. You just like to beat up on the FAA and they're just hardworking, good people. And, and I'm like, you saved that clap trap for the victims. You know, not me. I don't want to hear it. And again, it may sound harsh, but. That wasn't the machine that I was working for. The other thing that cheeses me off, too, about this is they, they do mention uh, a lot of the different efforts, but they do not specifically mention the UAS arc, which was the next arc that was set up in 2011 uh, after the small UAS arc. And uh, you probably remember, Gene, that I had uh, petitioned on behalf of the commercial operators and our CAPA, oh, pfft, I, 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 I groused in person. Hey, uh, you know, this is the first time hearing about the ARC. How come you didn't let anybody else know about that? Well, we had to do it in secret because we didn't want to upset anyone. What? You know, public rulemaking and say, well, you know, it wasn't really that it was secret. We just didn't want to tell people that weren't going to be asked to participate. 
Well, okay, what it was is we wanted to streamline it so we could get some work done. I see. So anyway, I kept uh, uh, petitioning to be on there. Peggy Gilligan, who also, you know, she's like, I'm out of here, retired, but she retired. Poor Ali Barami, that, that, that guy went under the bus for Peggy. Uh, you know, he wasn't even there that long on that Boeing deal, uh, you know, and uh, yep. Peggy retired. And Peggy Gilligan and Nick Sabatini reportedly the ones saying, just keep a lid on this uh, drone thing until it goes away. And it did go away. It worked. It went to China. You know, it, it was great. So, uh, you know, after petitioning, Peggy told me multiple times. I had a couple of heart-to-hearts with her on the phone and uh, assured me positively and in writing that there would be no discussions of commercial operations for unmanned aircraft systems on the UAS arc, which I found hard to believe. Then, you know, I, I also went to Jim Williams. I said, Hey Jim, you know, uh, yada, yada, yada. want to be, you know, gotta, we have to have commercial on here. Assured me no commercial uh, operations were going to be discussed, which was not the case because people that were on it were telling me they were talking about commercial operations and Part 107 and all the rest of that. And I told them that. And, uh, you know, there were people they said they didn't want me on that because I was disruptive and uh, they were trying to get things done. So, oh, okay, well, great. So commercial operators had no representation whatsoever on that. It's run by uh, AeroVironment and uh, Boeing again, you know, and so the uh, small UASR got filtered through that and you got your 107. And if people, you know, there are problems or issues that are now being, you know, rectified and fixed, that's where more than likely it stumbled and fell. So even uh, somebody else did a FOIA request. I did multiple FOIA requests. They just ignore um, but somebody else did, I think it was uh, either Washington Post or one of these other groups, uh, did a FOIA request for the minutes, and it was, there was all kinds of talk about commercial drones, you know? So um, that's when I say, you know, you need to have this two-way street. Of, uh, you know, when you're making rulemaking, you got to have people there that, um, you know, know, know what they're talking about. Know what's know what's going uh, on. At there. least I don't, know the I don't, questions I don't, to ask. Exactly, and I don't believe that you know either the the DOD contractors because you know their stuff nobody really wants it. Nobody's going to buy it. The military doesn't want it. It's expensive. It's not what they really want. They want is DJI capability at that DJI price. That doesn't exist here in the United States. That doesn't exist here in the United States because of. Uh, regulatory folly, and also ITAR. You know, the Chinese are selling everywhere. You know, we can't, we can't do that. We can't do that as a company right. here. That's a problem. So the the right questions are not being asked, as far as I'm concerned. I see a body of work here, and there's a lot of stuff. And uh, you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of this was already uh, preconceived misconceptions before they even got in here. Um. Lots of stuff to be determined, um, things like that. Uh, you know, that's fine. I just don't see where all of this is going to happen in a timely fashion. I don't think we're going to be seeing drone delivery in 2023. And if you are doing drone delivery in 2023, you can't make any money. And I do not see how you can be flying in the letter of the law. There's just, 
I don't even, even with the string, you know, there's going to be trees, there's going to be roof lines, you're going to lose sight of the aircraft and, you know, other structures and buildings. So don't give me that crap that, you know, you, you got eyes on it at all time. I'm not buying that. You buy that? No. <laughs> um, again, Patrick, you're going to make me plead the fifth in my operation. So, you know, I'm going to say there's going to be some gray areas there. There is, you know, but uh, it kind of goes back to it's not really plausible, um, you know, from the FAA as far as I'm concerned. So that's, you know, again, the safety of the NAS is good enough um, as far as I'm concerned. You know, yes, we want it to be safe. Everybody wants it to be safe. But I don't think that they are, um, let's say, being totally genuine with the public. That's me. Uh, other issues that we have on this deal is during the last administration, drones were a priority. What I'm hearing from people inside the machine, drones are not a priority anymore. I don't know what you've heard. Have you heard anything like that? You know, I, again, I've kind of disassociated myself with the, the politic, if you will, but because of the party that is involved. But, uh, you know, I, that would certainly be believable to me. Um, their, their priorities are certainly significantly different than about what 52% of the people would think are priorities. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Well, uh, you know, I see uh, they're working on STEM efforts and whatever else, but uh, which is nice. But I, I think that uh, the, the buzzy, the drone thing, and the education over enforcement flop would preclude anyone with a sense of, um, well, I don't, I don't even know what I could call that. You know, objectively, look at it and say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna start the STEM effort because the STEM effort, I do not believe that there are enough aerospace jobs. Uh, for the big STEM effort, you know, I, I, I knew a couple of uh, young ladies that were both aeronautical engineers and they tried for 10 months, 12 months to find jobs in the drone uh, industry and wanted to be in the drone industry. Um, really? Specialized. Yeah. I, and I was telling people, I, I mean, I even ran a story. These girls are looking for a job. You know, one of them finally found work, and the other one, I don't, I lost track of them or whatever. But, uh, you know, sharp young ladies. I mean, you know, you, you don't go into uh, aeronautical engineering because you're lazy, right? Or, uh, you know, not not uh, mentally with it. Um, so I was, I was surprised that they, you know, it, it does feel that there's like a little bit of an uptick. And I do think people are trying to do things, and I, and I think that that might also be, people are kind of seeing the handwriting on the wall that DJI is going to get banned. I don't really think they're going to get totally banned. Do you? I think it's going to be hard that they're, I mean, they're dug in like a tick, you know, to phrase the Texas way, but um, there, there's too many people out there that are using them that uh, they, the government can't just cut them off. Well, I mean, look, they've already given it their usual 18-month sort of uh, uh, grace period. So if you're flying DJI or anything, you've got uh, 18 months to get onto something else, which is kind of the typical turn time for obsolescence. So they, they put some thought into it, but I don't think that 18 months is going to give us an alternative. 
No. Um, you know, some people are talking about Autel and Autel doesn't have, uh, you know, the geofencing and, and other things, which also, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it, it, that kind of bugs me. It's like, if you're supposed to be this professional, you know, again, we've got the camp, or fit in the two camps. We've got the toy camp and then in the aviation camp. It's like, if I'm a certificated professional, right, I, I know the rules. I know how to operate. Do I need the training wheels of the geofence on there? You know, uh, do I need a remote ID when I have a registration number on there? The re we were told by the transportation secretary that the registration number displayed on the drone was going to usher in, you know, this, um, let's say, era of, uh, you know, responsibility, compliance, you know, um, that, none, of that, none of that crap materialized. You know, and, I, and then you're going to say, okay, well, I need RID and I need geofencing and all the rest of that. Also, I did not know this, but I was told that uh, the Aeroscope can even pick up the Autel. So, you know, here you got people buying the Autel thinking I'm not giving away the secret sauce of my operations. But wait a minute. No, Aeroscope can still see, which to me, I, I've got uh, issues on, on several levels with that. One, you have the 800-pound gorilla monitoring other people. Two, they could see their secret sauce or uh, glean intelligence from those flights, you know. And I don't know if you did any intelligence work. People are really, uh, let's say, naive about what constitutes intelligence. Agree or disagree? <laughs> you mean the whole PII story and uh, the, you know, what they can collect to identify you and, and track you as a pilot? Yeah. Uh, well, no, just keep and, and, and uh, operations and, and flying your operations, you know, and, and however you are flying and where you're flying and where you're stopping and well, things like that. It's I mean, all of the above. I mean, it, it's one of those things that, again, I'm going to go back to military training that, when we did our intelligence gathering stuff, it was one of those things where they said, you know, one little piece of information is not that big of a deal, but you put that one little piece of information with something else and it starts becoming more important. And if you have several something else's, you've got a pretty good picture and it doesn't take a, a, a rocket surgeon to put it together and figure it out. No. And, and it, especially if you're, uh, trained uh in that it's you'd be surprised uh what types of information are actually of value and there you oh well you know you can't it's funny how people even look at it at, uh you know technology you know like some guy is sitting there watching all of this you know he's watching it, sitting there watching it and making notes on the computer you know that uh, that's another thing that the chinese understood that they needed to be number one in and that is ai you know, not, not only the Chinese, everybody in the world. If you're not kicking butt on AI, uh, you're not going to be a world power, right? So, you know, is it plausible that you can write algorithms to, you know, sift through all of this data for you, Gene, do you think? Or am, am I just, is that science fiction? No, 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 no. Look, it doesn't matter whether you have AI or anything else like that. If you have the need for information like that, there's going to be some smart individual that will figure out how to harvest that stuff and sell it to you. 
Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just it's shocking. So, anyway, I don't know. Those are some of the points that I see, some of the, um, you know, issues with the last 20 years of my participation, 30 years I've been doing it, or even 50 years of trying to UTM it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, did you, did you have any other points that you'd like to air while we are airing these points? Look, AI is going to be a player. I mean, we 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 know that, it, and it's going to be. I, I've written some of it myself, and it can do a lot of things. And I'm gonna again, I'm gonna fall back to the the people that are smarter than me that have a lot more experience in producing this sort of software, and that that capability for drones is going to be coming. It will come. But again, it's got to catch up with the sensors, just like Orville and Wilbur Wright, my buds back in the day, you know, they could fly a plane. They just needed a power plant that was small enough and light enough to do it. So they had to wait a while until somebody came up with it. Same way with drunk. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, even when I was in China in 2018, I asked for that one of the leading uh, facial recognition software guys. Remember, the, the DJI folks laughed at me. It's impossible to do facial recognition on drones. I go talk to the guy. Oh, yeah, no problem. I've already done it. You know, could be a little problematic if you get to longer, farther distances or whatever. But, yeah, no problem. Any camera. Don't care. So, you know. These technologies, when you marry them together, uh, are, are quite powerful. And I think it's a lot different yeah. than a cell phone. Everybody keeps saying, oh, it's just like a cell phone. Even in the Ukraine, we're seeing that where people are, you know, they're saying, well, don't turn your cell phone on. I, basically, if you can't take the battery out, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're diluting yourself as far as being tracked and whatever else. So, I, Whatever. Um, I, I think people don't really understand the double-edged sword that some of this technology is. Some of the implications, I, I do also believe the RID thing, and, and again, going back to this, you know, free country uh, thing, um, you know, people in the press are using them. I think it's going to uh, chill the objectiveness of the press, even though there's not really an objective press anymore, whatever. But, uh, you know, it's First Amendment. Hey, this is free speech, you know. We're supposed to be able to see what's going on. We're, we're supposed to be able to um, consume this information and then see what's going on and, and try and make uh, decisions for ourselves. Uh, I think that's a problem. I think that the RID constitutes a, a, a warrantless search, you know, and I'm not a, an attorney, but I don't think you really need to be an attorney. I am learning that what's going on now is you just do whatever you want to do. Uh, as far as the government is concerned, and you let the uh, courts fight it out for the next 10 or 20 years. And, or maybe the problem just goes away. Uh, that's what we're seeing here. Rights, we, we, we hear from the government that rights are not absolute. No right is absolute. You know. I, I, that is not not how I the case. That. Yeah, well, that's not how I read the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, you know. But uh, all of that history, and when you go back and you look at that and you, and you learn where it all came from and, and what happened and whatever else, it's, uh, we are definitely far away from that. But uh, those, those are the types of things when you have influences from other countries that do not have governments like ours. I think a lot of uh, people view the governments of other countries 
with, with that kind of the Western eye. And they're like, oh, well, everybody, you know, is uh, for rights of the individual and all the rest of that stuff. And that's not what I'm seeing coming out of the East, let's say. You know, would you agree or disagree with that? No, 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 no. Yeah, you're, you're right on target. And, you know, Patrick, I, I will say one thing about this, and everybody calls you a loose cannon and stuff like that. You know what your problem is, is you point out inconvenient truths that people don't want to have to try to make go away. Right. Well, they're hard problems. And uh, you're they're right. Hard I mean, uh, but, but they are issues that, you know, you're, you're going to have to confront your, your issues. You know, I think that's one of the things, even in this drone sphere, uh, denial, regulatory denial. You will have to, at one point, you are going to have to face the, the, the hard truths and the realities. It's like I keep saying, you know, physics is a cruel and remorseless old foe. You know, you're not getting around it. Just not, ha- and I don't care what your Silicon Valley speak is. I don't care that you have VC money. I, I don't care. Uh, that's just not going to work, you know, and you can keep pounding the square peg through the round hole. And what we're seeing is, is all of this square peg round hole stuff is, uh, in my estimation, making really bad rules. Would you agree or disagree with that analogy? Well, yeah. I know. I'm... <laughs> Again, uh, it's true. Well, unfortunately. You know, you, you, you just can't get around it. Uh, I am seeing some footnotes, and there are uh, some mentions of the UAS arc, um, but, you know, not in the, in the header there, but, you know, there are some of the uh, some of the things that were talked about there. So, again, you know, you were disenfranchised as a commercial user. You didn't, you didn't get any representation. The government and all of their, um, let's say, wisdom decided that uh, you didn't need that. And, you know, I don't want to beat up on – I mean, I like Jim Williams. I think he's a nice guy. I, I think he did a lot. You know, I think he did consider some stuff. The guy had a job. And, you know, you don't want to lose your job, uh, things like that. But uh, to me, when people get disenfranchised, uh, they are not served. The public is not served. And, again, I see the NAS as a public, so, uh, public trust resource, you know, that belongs to the people. Mm-hmm. And uh, those people are me. Those people are you. Those people are the listeners. Those people are uh, people that want to use this technology to make the world a better place, you know, uh, that want to feed hungry people that have food insecurity or water insecurity um, or do scientific work like you're doing, you know. Um, so, <laughs> you know, uh, that's what's at stake in my mind. Anyway, anything in closing? Because we've gone way over, but I, I think it was another good historical lesson. But yeah, I you know, I, again, this this kicking the can down the road every time we have an arc it is really it brings out the cynic in me. I've got to tell you that. Um, you know, it, it's being set up for another long drawn out ten year diatribe on things that woulda, coulda, shoulda, and uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. That's all I can say. It, it, it is frustrating. It is, and, you know, don't, I mean, you know, come on, it's hard. You know, it, this stuff is hard. I, but again, you know, I think you can, you know, take bites of the elephant, and there's, there's uh, instances where people can fly beyond visual line of sight today. 
it could have 10 years ago, they were doing it 20 years ago. It's, it's all possible and it's possible to do safely. Just going to require some work, going to require, you know, making some decisions and planting the flag and, you know, uh, being, admitting to being wrong. I mean, I, you know, I'm not perfect, man. I, I'm wrong. There's times I'm wrong. The only guy that I know that was perfect that I've ever heard about is that dude from Nazareth, you know, and he's been, you know, yeah. off planet yeah. for a while. So <laughs> besides that, we all make mistakes. We got to, you know, learn from them. Accept it. There's ways around it. Um, anyway, uh, you know, another thing you're saying about taking the can down the road is that the EU is sliding their RID schedule to the right. So I don't, um, don't know that, uh, you know, I mean, they can figure it out. Are we going to be able to figure it out? I mean, there going to be problems. I don't know. You know, we shall see. Anyway, all right. Well, I, I appreciate that you came on here and uh, were, was able to uh, impart knowledge and wisdom of this uh, effort, kind of confirming, um, you know, some of the ideas and notions that uh, that I had and some other people have had. So, appreciate that. Um, Minimal at best. Just been. I am not a pessimist. I am an optimist with a track record. I think that's how we'll close out. That sounds good. All right, Gene. Till next week. We're we're on again for next uh, next Thursday. Um, you know, keep it keep the right side up and uh, all the rest of the good stuff. And we'll talk soon. Aaron Gobra. Happy St. Patty's Day. See ya. Oh yeah, I forgot. See. Ya. <laughs>